Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm Arizona Cardinals, you know, uh, I've done nothing but, you know, give my all to, to, the, to the Cardinals, so I would continue to do that. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not really too worried about my future as a Cardinals. That was Kyler Murray not all that long ago, March 24, although... As football news has gone recently, March 24 is a freaking eternity. Our goal for the next two hours is to not make it feel like an eternity for you. We want it to move, baby. We want to fly through what's happening in the National Football League, and some Kyler Murray developments are going to lead the show. But before we get to any of that, I say hello to all of you out there enjoying the program on Peacock or SiriusXM85 or Sky Sports, if we happen to be on in the UK tonight. I don't know, frankly, whether we are or aren't. For those of you in the UK who still want to hear the show, you can join the podcast crowd. Hello to all of you. And last but definitely not least, hello to my co-host for this Friday, as he is for most Fridays, the great Peter King. Hi, Peter. Mike, you know, uh, good to see you again. And and I was reminded yesterday when Tom Pelissero wrote about Kyler Murray, I was reminded uh, after I left the scouting combine this year and, you know, I talked to enough people at the scouting combine to know what Tom Pelissero's uh, conclusion was yesterday and what became a headline. And I wrote it about six weeks ago, which is that it is extremely doubtful that Kyler Murray will play this year for $5.5 million. He's too small. He gets hit too much. He's playing behind a suspect offensive line. He's not going to risk his career, I don't think. And I said it and wrote it at the time. And I think it's the absolute truth that Kyler Murray, in order to play football, 
in 2022 is going to have to have some sort, either a new contract or an adjustment, even though, Mike, I think that the majority of people who have watched Kyler Murray, especially at the end of seasons, would say, you know, maybe we want to see a little bit more. Well, the reality is Kyler Murray had an ankle injury in that Thursday night week eight game against the Packers very late in the contest, the next to last play of the game or penultimate for those of you who prefer the fancier phrasing of the term. But he wasn't the same after that, missed a few games, came back and just didn't move like he did. And when you take the mobility out of Kyler Murray's game, he all of a sudden seems a hell of a lot smaller. He can do a lot less. He's not a pocket passer, never will be, because he can't see out of the pocket. And I know the Drew Brees approach is there's angles and there's lanes. Kyler Murray is smaller than any of the short quarterbacks. He's smaller than Russell Wilson. He's smaller than Drew Brees. I interviewed Kyler Murray the same day I interviewed Russell Wilson three years ago at the Super Bowl, and it's noticeable. There is a much more compact and slight and shorter frame to Kyler Murray than Russell Wilson, who was regarded for years as a short quarterback. And, you know, if six feet is regarded as short, so be it. But when most of the quarterbacks are six five, six feet is short. So I say all that because the Cardinals and Kyler Murray have, I think, two challenges right now, Peter. The first will be reaching an acceptable value, which is not going to be easy. Not easy at all. The second challenge is figuring out when they're going to try to reach an acceptable value. That's the problem for now. That's what spawned the report yesterday, the front end of the report that resulted in the back end observation that he's not going to play under a new contract. The idea that the Cardinals have yet to even make him an offer. And that Eric Burkhardt, who represents Kyler Murray and who clearly believes that, number one, the market for franchise quarterbacks is high and needs to go higher, and number two, his guy is one of them. That offer that he previously made to the team has been yanked, and why not? The market has changed. The world has changed. Everything has changed in the past couple of months. I'm told that the Cardinals' position is we'll take care of him this summer. I've seen others say this, and I agree with it. He wants it now, not because if it's not going to happen now, if there's going to be a 10 to $15 million per year gap, which there very likely will be. I could see the Cardinals being between 30 and 35 million and Burkhart between 45 and 50 million. If we have an impasse here, let's do it now so maybe we can find a new home before the draft. Not in June when the depth charts are set and everyone has their quarterbacks, although there's still a chance some teams will still not have their quarterbacks come summer. That's where this is coming from, and it's not an accident, I believe, that this hits two weeks before the draft. Let's figure it out now so if there's a trade to be had, it can be done between now and the start of the draft. You know, Mike, there's already there's already three or four teams that have been taken off the list of, te- of prospective teams that he could play for. And look, as I listen to you, I think of two overwhelming thoughts, okay? Number one, there is one team that, in my opinion, Arizona would be wise to institute discussions with 
sometime in the next 10 days. And that just to see. And that's the Carolina Panthers. For a very simple reason. The other team that obviously, unequivocally, needs a quarterback and needs him right now is Seattle. But, and we're going to get to this later in the show. One of the oddest contracts, one of the oddest pay-a-guy deals this year uh, was the announced, anyway, one-year $7 million with Geno Smith, the backup quarterback who started five games in the last seven years. Uh, and when he did start, he was not good, uh, you know, back in the day. But we'll get to that later. I, I don't want to confuse these two things. But, you know, Carolina has the sixth pick in the draft. If they sit there and take Kenny Pickett, they're not in the Kyler Murray sweepstakes, you know, on July 3rd, okay? That's one thing. But the second thing, and this is, I think, really, really important. How many offenses in the NFL right now can cater to Kyler Murray the way Cliff Kingsbury would? That's why, to me, it is incumbent upon these two sides. I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to play for the Cardinals for the next 15 years. I do know that he should play for them for the next four years. Okay, because right now, that offense is set up for him. The coach is set up for him. And who knows what is going to happen down the road. But to me, he should stay in Arizona. They should figure it out for the short term. And then tomorrow is tomorrow. And let's figure out what happens tomorrow. Look at that run. I mean, that's the thing. When he has his mobility, he is one of the most dangerous weapons in the NFL. But the problem is he got injured last year and he kept playing. It's a lot like what Baker Mayfield went through in Cleveland. And one thing that we learned this week when Mayfield opened up about his shoulder. And, you know, at the time, guys aren't wired to say, I'm really injured. They don't want to make excuses and they don't want to get yanked off the field. They want to try to play through it. But sometimes it becomes obvious after the fact that they were injured. Russell Wilson last year insisted on coming back as quickly as he could after having his finger completely twisted up into knots in that 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 horrific photo of the pin that held his finger together. Yeah. He was never the same last year, and no one should have expected him to be. Same with Murray, same with Mayfield. And I mentioned Mayfield, Peter, because one angle that fascinates me, I haven't written about this yet. We talked about it on PFTPM last night. Murray and Mayfield are extremely close. When I interviewed Murray three years ago, Mayfield called him three times. He kept, Murray kept saying, oh, Baker's calling again. Baker's calling again. They are very close. And Baker is going through a phase in his NFL existence where he is disillusioned. He said it's an effing snake business at one point during the 90-minute podcast that dropped on Wednesday. And he feels disrespected by the Browns. And he surely thinks my reward for busting my ass last year and playing through my shoulder injury was they throw me overboard. So if Baker is saying things that would naturally flow from his current mindset to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's got to be thinking, I better take care of myself because I think the common thread between Mayfield and Murray is. And and let's go to Mayfield a year ago. Mayfield probably wanted 40 and the Browns probably would have paid 30. And they never even got to the point where they could meaningfully negotiate because they knew there was too big of a gap. That's where Murray and the Cardinals are right now. I firmly believe there's too big of a gap So the Cardinals are trying to kick the can as long as they can. And 
hope that Murray's expectations will settle down later and they can do a deal. And he'll realize, like you're saying, his best place is with the Cardinals instead of abandoning where he's familiar and comfortable and it's all set up to cater to him to a place where at a minimum it would take some time to cater to him. And he'd have to be patient. And the first year may be a little rough. And there may be some, well, why'd they trade for this guy until they have the infrastructure in place to run the offense the way that it would need to be run under Kyler Murray. So I think the Cardinals are deliberately slow playing this because they think that time is on their side. Even though as time passes, the market keeps going up and up. Here's the thing, Mike. Two things, actually. Can you imagine if somehow, someway, the Arizona Cardinals were to trade Kyler Murray? What do you think they would do? They'd try to sign Baker Mayfield. <laughs> no, no. You know, and no, no, try, no, 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 no. That ain't happening. What, if, yeah. you, if you go, listen to the first half hour of the podcast, you never know with Mike, period. That's the host. We figured that out yesterday. His name is Mike, period. Used to be Mike Stud. Now it's Mike, period. During that podcast, he, the, the Texas Tech experience, when, when Cliff Kingsbury was the coach and Baker Mayfield was there and they wouldn't give him a scholarship when he started five games and then they made it hard on him to transfer to Oklahoma, I don't think Baker Mayfield's ever going to work for Cliff Kingsbury again. So that, that, that one's off the Perhaps table. Perhaps not. I, yeah. Perhaps not. Perhaps not. But, you know, strange bedfellows are made when desperation or when desperate times come up. And I do understand that the last guy who Baker Mayfield would want to play for is Cliff Kingsbury. But would you rather be a backup in Atlanta or, you know, a bad team? Or would you like to start for a team that could make the playoffs on a short-term deal. So, again, I do understand what you're saying, but in my opinion, in the NFL, never say never. But there's one other point about what you said, and that is that I think when you look at the way quarterback is played in the NFL these days, and it isn't that you don't have some malleable coaches – and some people willing to play in different ways. But I think Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray are both quarterbacks who are not going to fit in every system. And they're not going to fit with every team. So you just look at it and you say, in some ways, you know, in Carolina, it would be Kyler Murray into the square peg into a round hole. They'd figure it out. But I do think that you have to look at what fits as well. And that, to me, for both those guys, Kyler Murray fits. He fits in Arizona. They've got to work this out, no matter how happy or sad Kyler Murray would be. And you make a great point. Chris Sims has articulated that same thought although he was far more blunt. There are going to be coaches and GMs and owners out there who don't want anything to do with Kyler Murray. It's not even going to be a consideration. He's too short. We don't want him. We don't want that style of offense. That's not how we want our team to be run. So that would have to be factored into any 
consideration as to the teams that may be interested. And Peter, let's go there for a minute or two, because I tried to think of the teams that would want him. And there's not a lot that jump out because a lot of the teams currently know who their quarterback will be. The three teams that were in the hunt for Deshaun Watson, but didn't get him saints, Falcons, Panthers, those would be the most immediate three because they already had the wallet out and opened up and the money was there to, or, and, and, the, and the draft picks were there as well to try to get Deshaun Watson. So I could see a pivot. Hey, a few weeks ago we were trying to get Deshaun Watson. Now Kyler Murray's available. Activate. AF, NFC South, everyone but the Buccaneers activate to try to get Kyler Murray. I would throw the Eagles on top of that also as a possibility because they were on the fringes of the whole Deshaun Watson conversation and never really swooped in, in part because maybe Watson didn't want to go there. And then I'd put the Texans in play as well. How could you not add the Texans? Even though Kyler Murray may be stepping into a team that isn't very good, he likes playing in Texas. Now, he'd prefer to play in Dallas, where he's 10-0 and at AT&T Stadium. But I think he'd be intrigued by the possibility of playing for the Houston Texans if they were interested. So those are the five that, to me, would be the universe. I've looked at every team, and I can't imagine someone that has their starter throwing out the current plan for Kyler Murray. Because he's not at that level where you throw overboard like, if Aaron Rodgers was truly available and on the market, I think every team would have to say, mm, do we throw overboard the guy we have? I don't think Kyler Murray's at that level yet where you would say, well, you know what, we're happy with Justin Fields. You know, and, 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 we, and so we're, stay, you know, we're staying with who we have. Whoever it is that you have that is your plan, Kyler Murray's not so great that you're going to scrap your plan. And I think that is exactly where the Philadelphia Eagles would land. You know, we could argue right now that, look, if we were doing this last October 20th, you'd laugh if, if, uh, if, if I said that, well, the Eagles don't think that Kyler Murray's a big upgrade over Jalen Hurts. But, but you know, we've got more evidence than just seven or eight weeks at the start of last year when Kyler Murray arguably was the NFL MVP. And so I think you have to look at where the Eagles are, where Nick Sirianni would be, and you just have to ask him, do you want a guy who's been hurt some, who's small, who, you know, you don't know how durable he's going to be long-term? Is that what you want to do? I mean, look... I like Kyler Murray. I'd like to have him for most teams in the NFL, for 15 to 18 teams at least in the NFL, I'd like to have him as my quarterback. But it absolutely is not a slam dunk because you have to ask yourself long-term, do you want to play that style of offense and do you want to play with a guy who looks like he has been subject to injury. And and so I think those are the big questions you have to ask yourself. But, Mike, I doubt sincerely that the Philadelphia Eagles would, would really, uh, you know, mortgage all of the, the gains that they've made in draft choices, you know, and get rid of Jalen Hurts and add Kyler Murray. It's just, that's my gut feeling. And... 
I could make the argument either way, but it's close enough that I wouldn't be 100% certain. And look, the reality is right. the flag it's is arguable. planted. Yeah, the flag is planted. If anybody wants to try to get Kyler Murray, now's the time to make the phone call to the Arizona Cardinals. And that's the other side of this. Because, Peter, I think back to Carson Palmer and the Bengals in 2011. Or the possibility oh, yeah. of which you and I are both very familiar of Joe Burrow not going to the Bengals two years ago. And Bengals fans, he, we know he went there. And we love Joe Burrow. But the reality is there was at least the possibility entertained of not going to Cincinnati. It did at least happen. And as I mentioned in Playmakers, and as someone close to the situation told me, if he had been from Athens, Georgia, and not Athens, Ohio, he wouldn't have gone to the Bengals. But but the Cardinals, I think, are the one team that would be the closest in mindset and approach to Mike Brown. And the attitude would be, sorry, we got your rights this year and next year because surely they'll pick up the fifth-year option. So you play for us or you play for no one. So if you want to play football, you play football for us. We're not going to trade you. We're not taking the calls. If, if anyone who calls us mentions the word Kyler at any point in the conversation, we're going to hang up. We're not trading you. You can't make us trade you. Oh, I know the age of player empowerment has arrived, and it's more like the NBA. Not in Arizona. Nope, we're not going to do it. If they take that approach, he's stuck, Peter. He's stuck. Then you ask yourself, if you're Kyler Murray, how important is $5.5 million to me? That's, that's what you ask yourself. And if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you say, hmm, we drafted Kyler Murray coming off a three-win season in 2018. We were bereft of hope. We did not trust uh, our quarterback at all. We knew we needed a quarterback. And so, you know, what happened this past year? Now, they got a little bit of an assist from Colt McCoy winning two games. But what happened last year? What happened is that the Arizona Cardinals won 11 games. So they've gone from three wins pre-Kyler to 11 wins in the year that Kyler midway through the season was a legitimate uh, MVP candidate. And, you know, you can't invent that, oh, we'll be fine without Kyler. You just, you, you, you can't do that because they won't be fine without Kyler. And so I look at this, Mike, and I think that Kyler Murray and Eric Burkhart have a little bit of power in this case because the one thing that the Arizona Cardinals do is that they're going to get fans to come to their games. But the minute that the fans perceive that they're trying to take shortcuts or they're not all in it to win, everything like that, what happens to the big red sea out in the Valley of the Sun? What happens? Do they stop coming? Do they stop uh, loving the team again as it was formerly, many years ago, really? But that is the big thing that I would be worried about if I were Michael Bidwell. I think one of the realities, too, look, I, I think, and, and this is what makes me believe the Cardinals will try 
older school approaches with Kyler Murray before they would cry uncle and pay him anything close to what he wants. I think that they, I don't know this, but I think that they were behind some of the narratives that came out after the season, the story about Bidwell being furious with Cliff Kingsbury, and he kind of was hanging by a thread for a little while before he got an extension. That did not sit well with Eric Burkhardt, who represents both Kingsbury and Murray. And I think that if the Cardinals had fired Cliff Kingsbury, they would have had a definite issue with Kyler Murray, who would have wanted out if Kingsbury had been fired. So, so Burkhart leverages Murray's presence on the team to get Kingsbury an extension, not even a lame duck, let's see what you do in 2022 before we decide whether you're our guy long term. He gets him an extension, and now Burkhart is stirring up this stuff with Kyler. I could see Michael Bidwell being frustrated by that because, like, hey, we gave your guy, the head coach, a new contract with the anticipation that Kyler would stay. And then the stuff that came out about Kyler Murray, the whole idea that he's self-centered and finger-pointing and immature, I think that was a manifestation of the team's frustration and effort, clumsy or otherwise, to try to knock down his expectations a little bit before time to negotiate. That didn't work either. That's just what makes me think, that the Cardinals may not view this the way that other teams would. The Cardinals may have a different mindset, and there may be a stubbornness there. And Kyler Murray may have to hold out. And one of the realities of his contract, and I got a copy of it last night to make sure this was accurate, he's due to make $5.5 million this year, but $4.524 million of it comes in the form of a roster bonus that is only paid if he's in camp on the third day of the process. If he's not there by day three, that $4.5 million goes away forever. Yeah, he'll make more money down the road, but that $4.5 million does not get paid. So it's not a matter of the fines that he would owe, 40000 a day. That can be waived. But if he's not there, third day at camp, $4.5 million gone for good. Which means if he's not there third day at camp, Peter, he may not be coming at all. He may say, no, I'm not playing in 2022. Now, he'd also owe $5.8 million back in unearned signing bonus money. But that's when we would know this is real. If he doesn't show up day one and isn't back by day three, this is real. And he seriously is considering doing something other than playing football in 2022. And as we've said before, he's the one guy in the NFL right now who could go get a baseball glove and jump into the Oakland A's organization at some level. Obviously not at the highest level, but if he wanted to do something to occupy his time, and he said time and again he'd love to play baseball, he'd love to play both. He can just go play baseball until this is all figured out. Mike, you know, what happens with clauses like that, and of course it's a legitimate clause. I, did not, I didn't know until you just said that. I didn't know how the 5.5 uh, was going to be paid out this year. But that is illuminating. At the end of the day, though, in my opinion, it's not that illuminating. It's illuminating as a factoid for today, and and where his state of mind would be if he did indeed not show up in camp by day three. But at the end of the day, teams pay that stuff back. They always do. They always will account for that in whatever future deal they would do with a player. So in my opinion, I think when you look at 
where Kyler Murray is right now. All right. I don't believe he's playing this year for 5.5 million. I've said it, said it six weeks ago. But the issue is, the issue is, how exactly does this get resolved? I don't think the Cardinals are one of these teams that says, we're going to write you a check now for, you know, 55 million on a signing bonus to lock you up for the next X number of years. That's just not how they do business. My feeling is this is done with guaranteed money year by year by year that that will allow Kyler Murray to get on the fringe of what the great quarterbacks are making right now. Those are the biggest things that, in my opinion, will be done to get this contract done at the end of the day. And look, I believe after a lot of huffing and puffing and all this stuff, that Kyler Murray will go back to the Cardinals and there will be a new contract of some sort, you know, by the start of this season. But I do think there's going to be a lot of choppy waters before that. Well, it all comes back to where you peg Kyler Murray's value. We said this a few weeks ago. Four or five years back, the next guy up for a contract became the highest paid player in NFL history by a little bit more than the last guy. Derek Carr, who got an extension this week, was one of those. It started with Andrew Luck, then it went to Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan. It was one after another after another. Now, look at this spread. Look at that. From 1 to 10. You've got $20 million there. How do you resolve where Kyler Murray lands on that range when you also accept the fact that the cap is going to continue to go up and up and up? See, that's what I can't reconcile here. Time is on Kyler Murray's side, but he's run out of patience. He wants his deal now, even though the more time passes, the more he's going to get. And I think Eric Burkhart wants both. Eric Burkhart wants a deal now that takes into account where the puck is going. That's what's going to make it even harder. So I said earlier, maybe the Cardinals are in the 30 to $35 million range and Burkhart's in 45 to 50. Hell, for all I know, Burkhart's in 55 to 60 because he's thinking, number one, franchise quarterbacks are always the most valuable player on the field and should be paid accordingly. And number two, the cap keeps going up. So if I'm going to commit for four or five years, that deal needs to take into account where the cap is going to be. Here's my projection, Mr. Bidwell, of where the cap is going to be. And the percentage that you're paying, my client is going to get smaller and smaller because the cap is going to mushroom. So we need to take this into account. That's why I've been a proponent for years, Peter, of locking in a fixed percentage of compensation for the quarterback. So they know, they have certainty as to how much of the cap is going to go to him and how much of the cap they're going to have left for everybody else. This would be an ideal spot to do that, not that anyone's going to do it. I'm not even sure that anybody even tries to do it anymore, although maybe Deshaun Watson could have gotten it in Cleveland. But I think that's the problem. You're going to have a fundamental disagreement of Kyler Murray's value, and that's what could keep this thing from resolving the way that it should.
You know what's funny about contracts in the NFL? I'm writing about this for Monday. It's funny that today, in today's football, the last few contracts, if you take them on average per year and not necessarily what this single year is, if you look at that and if you give Aaron Rodgers, you know, if you assign him a value of 50 million or 50.3 million, whatever it is, that is a much bigger percentage of the salary cap than uh, it was 10 years ago. Let's say, I think 10 years ago, Dwight Freeney was the biggest per year average at 19 million. And what is happening right now, Mike, is that I, the way I look at it, the agents have done a very good job of saying, okay, we're going to play hopscotch with these contracts. But look at it, Mike, the only position that the hopscotch is going as crazy as quarterbacks is wide receiver. Is it happening the same at tight end? No. Is it happening the same at tackle? No. Is it happening the same even at edge rusher? Not exactly. Some, but certainly not exactly. And I think what is so interesting to look at now is that if you're Eric Burkhart, what do you argue? If I'm Eric Burkhardt, I'm only arguing for one thing, short-term deal. Because I know the Cardinals are not giving me Aaron Rodgers money. They're probably not giving me Deshaun Watson money or Patrick Mahomes money. I will settle for $40 million a year for the next three years with some guarantees built in. And just because I want to get another bite at the apple in 2025. That's when the Kyler Murray playing style becomes a real issue. Now, look, we know how these quarterbacks or these contracts, excuse me, go five, six years. It's after two or three that the team's able to tear it up and move on anyway. So if that's the case, why not do a short-term deal? But the unique challenge in handling Kyler Murray's career is, given his size, given that one of his most important attributes is his incredible speed and agility, you know, this isn't a guy who's going to be playing when he's 44, This isn't a guy who's going to have full tread on the tire and be able to zip around like we saw in the clips we were showing earlier. This is going to become the guy who's more like he was in the playoff loss to the Rams, where the mobility wasn't there. I think he had two carries for six yards in the whole game. He didn't have that same punch. You take that out of his game, it's not good enough for the NFL. So so this is the ultimate, because at the other position, this is true. Get what you can while you can, because you may not be able to get it for very long. Kyler Murray is the ultimate example of a quarterback who better get what he can while he can, because there's no guarantee he's going to be able to get it for very long. He's not going to be playing deep into his 30s, more likely than not, which raises the stakes on this contract. And look, I'm sure Eric Burkhardt has a plan, but the Cardinals have a plan too. And that's where this thing is going to get very interesting. And I don't believe in accidents or coincidences, especially when you're talking about deals like this. The fact that this is all coming up now with now 13 days to go until the draft is not an accident or a coincidence. This is, I want to know what you're going to pay my guy because if you're not going to pay him, I want to find someone who will.
Yeah, I just don't think the Cardinals are going to do that. Um, I don't see it. And honestly, maybe, maybe the Carolina Panthers would move heaven and earth to try to get him. If, if David Tepper picks up the phone today, or probably would have done it yesterday, and calls Scott Fitterer as general manager or Matt Rule and says, get on this right now. I want to find out if there's any way we can get Kyler Murray. Then, you know, then and only then would I think that there was a possibility that that this could happen. Because right now, I just, I don't think it's a possibility. I just don't see uh, the Cardinals moving him in the next two weeks. I would agree with you. If I had to pick one or the other, I would say he's not going to be traded just because the Cardinals are not wired to go along with this new yeah. trend where, and we talked about this after Tyree Kill. You have to have one team that says F them picks and another team that says, I'll take it. I'll gladly shed the obligation to pay this guy a ton of money and I'll reload my roster with everything you're going to give up for him. And you have to have each side of that equation in order to make it work. And that's the other side of this, too, that we have to take into account. Let's say the Cardinals will trade him. And let's say that there are teams interested. What do you offer for Kyler Murray? Because, number one, you're going to have to pay him a contract above and beyond what the Cardinals are willing to do. And you have to make the Cardinals happy as well. That's what's so stunning about, like, the Tyreek Hill deal. They make him one of the highest-paid players in receiver the Dolphins do or one of the highest paid receivers in football excuse me and they give him and they give the Chiefs five picks that the Chiefs it was enough to get the Chiefs say fine we'll do this deal I I just don't know that you find a team even if the Cardinals are willing to do it that put enough on the table to get the Cardinals to say I'll take it and enough on the table financially to get Eric Burkhart to say that's where we want to play see that that's yeah it's it's almost like Peter the Cardinals' best move here, their checkmate move, could be to say to Eric Burkhardt, go ahead, go ahead, try to find someone. Do what the Chiefs did with Drew Rosenhaus. Go ahead, start texting general managers. See if you can find somebody who will give us what we want and we'll give you what you want. Sometimes getting a chance to see what else is out there for a player who wants a lot is the best way to get the player's expectations to come down. It's not a bad idea because what the what Kansas City did with Drew Rosenhaus, you know what's I don't think we've talked enough about how amazing what happened with Tyreek Hill and Kansas City and Miami is. That was absolutely amazing. And here's why it was amazing. Okay? And why you know, the uh, Kyler Murray thing is not starting out the way this thing did. Basically, Brett Veach, the GM of the Chiefs, told Drew Rosenhaus, you can go out and see who might be interested in him, but you cannot talk about exact figures. You can give him, you can give teams the parameters of what you're talking about. And the parameters of what they were talking about, in essence, is Devontae Adams. You know, somewhere right in there. But you couldn't, he couldn't be specific. 
And so Rosenhaus could call up teams and he found 12 that were interested and two financially and uh, and in compensation terms that would play ball with Kansas City. And throughout this whole thing, Mike, here's what's so amazing about this. This trade got done on, I think it got agreed to late on a Tuesday night or early on a Wednesday, something like that. But on Tuesday morning, Kansas City with Andy Reid and Brett Veach are still talking to Tyreek Hill and to Drew Rosenhaus and basically saying, here's an offer, which was a lot more than Rosenhaus and Hill thought that it would be. But there were other things at play. I think Tyreek Hill really wanted to go to Miami. And honestly, Kansas City, I think, although they said, oh my gosh, we're, we're so sad about losing Hill, which they are. They're sad about losing him. But for five draft choices and for the financial flexibility of having that, whatever the realistic uh, money is, per year to be able to spend on other positions. You know, I think Kansas City is very happy they made the deal. The player is very happy to be in Miami. Miami's happy. I've never seen a situation where a star goes from one team to another and everyone is euphoric about it. It's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. That I have a feeling that's not going to happen with Kyler Murray. Well, and the most amazing aspect of it is that it was kept so tightly under wraps at a time when people are crawling over every nook and cranny of the NFL landscape for any news that they can find. Somehow, some way, 31 teams respected the request from Drew Rosenhaus to not say anything. That's amazing. That's amazing that not a single general manager or anyone else in an organization who knew about it blabbed to anyone. That's an easy favor to trade. You got somebody out there that covers your team, that covers the NFL, that you you don't want them, you know, maybe suggesting you're not doing your job very well or maybe you shouldn't have your job. That's part of the quid pro quo that happens. It's sometimes subtle. It's sometimes not subtle. Hey, I got one for you. I got one. For, hey, hey, guy who would be inclined to say bad things about me when I screw up. I got something for you to maybe get you to not do it the next time you're inclined to do so. You may want to look around whether or not Tyreek Hill's getting traded. What? Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing that no one breathed a word yeah. of it. So that ain't happening with Kyler Murray because we're all on notice now that something could go down. And if there are any Kyler Murray talks, if they would give Eric Burkhart permission to do what Drew Rosenhaus did. That's not staying quiet. And the Cardinals would have to know that going in. But it could be. I mean, that, that is the boss move if you're the Cardinals. Hey, you don't like what you think we would pay you? Now, they haven't made the offer yet. But hey, go ahead. See what's out there. See what you could get from somebody who would also have to give us three first-round picks or whatever the Deshaun Watson package is. We would want the Deshaun Watson package minimum for Kyler Murray. Plus, you got to figure out what they're going to pay your guy. Good luck finding someone who will do that because he's not going to find it. And uh, maybe that's part of what Kyler Murray needs to work through. That's what Burkhart needs to work through. The idea that, that, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Burkhart already has an ace in the hole that he's been secretly talking to because we know that happens as well. I just would be surprised if it comes to that. I think Murray wants to stay in Arizona 
and he's trying to apply some pressure to them to do something that they don't want to do, and we'll see what they do and when they do it. But as I said at the top, they've made it clear to him they're going to take care of him this summer. My concern is their version of taking care of him, Peter, is going to be a far cry. It's going to be closer to the bottom of that range we showed earlier, that $20 million gap yeah. from top of the market to, to the to the 10th highest paid quarterback. Cardinals are going to be down near 9 or 10. Burkhart's maybe going to be beyond 1 at this point. I, I bet I'll, they I'll, won't I'll, be down at 9 or 10. They'll be realistic enough to know that they can't be down at 9 or 10. Because, you know, any you, you could take the guys at 9 or 10. I think Kirk Cousins was 9 or, or maybe 8. But, but, but I, what you're saying is right. I think he would be, I think their offer at the end of the day would be somewhere in the middle of that. Maybe a little bit below 40, but not a lot below 40. Because otherwise, why would Eric Burkhardt even consider it? They've told me that we need to take a break, but I just thought of something that I think is relevant here. What's the other big quarterback contract conundrum in the NFL right now? It's Lamar Jackson. And the issue there is the player won't engage. The issue with Murray is the team won't engage. At what point is Murray better off? And I know he's not going to play for $5.5 million this year, but, you know, Lamar Jackson played for like $2 million last year. And uh, he, he's, and he's into his fifth year. Right, right, but he's into his fifth-year option. And, and the Cardinals are yeah. surely going to pick up the fifth-year option for Kyler Murray. Um, I, my, my point is, if you really want out of Arizona, you got three years in. And I know four years is a long time as the NFL goes, but Kyler Murray could do what Lamar Jackson is apparently doing, which is just going one year at a time and waiting for the opportunity to hit the open market. That's the only explanation that currently makes sense in Baltimore. Kyler Murray could do that. He could do the Kirk Cousins thing if he wanted to. Now, it gets back to wear and tear and his unique skill set and when does he start losing some of that speed. But if he wanted to go seven years and out, he could do it, Peter. I just can't see it with that body type. I I just behind that offensive line, it's just. I mean, yes, in an you know in in one world that makes a lot of sense. In Kyler Murray's world, in my opinion, it makes no sense because well, you see, don't know if after you don't know what kind of physical condition you're going to be in in five years. It do, it doesn't make sense for Lamar Jackson either, though. That's what's so wild about it. Of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, the two guys that that approach doesn't make sense for is Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Yeah, but Lamar Jackson's yeah. doing it, apparently. We don't know what he's doing. He's apparently doing that. But who knows? Who knows? Because he's <laughs> tweeted, oh, I'm not trying to get out of Baltimore. Well, you're not acting like you're trying to stay in Baltimore. That's for damn sure. But Kyler Murray's also in that same spot where will he still be able to do it four seasons from now? It's, it's, and, and the fact that Murray – see, this is, the, this is the fundamental problem, and then we do have to take a break. The fact that Murray wants to get paid so so fervently now because of the fact that he's been banged up, that he's not big. I assume that's why they want to do yeah. it. There's an urgency there. That's the thing that should give the Cardinals hesitation to take on $200 million in injury risk. You're trying to push the injury risk from Murray to the team. Well, the team doesn't want it either. 
because this isn't the usual quarterback situation where you could be Tom Brady and play until you're 44. You're in the pocket. You're protected by all the rules that apply when you're in the pocket. Once you leave the pocket and cross the line of scrimmage, you're a running back. And we saw, well, even though Kyler Murray, uh, the irony is he got injured behind the line. He didn't get injured while he was running the ball. But still, this is not your usual quarterback that you can say, we don't have to worry about him getting injured. You do have to worry about him getting injured. And Burkhart seems to be worried about that. And Kyler's worried about that. Well, the team's worried about it too. And they don't want to take on that gigantic liability in the event that he does get injured and he doesn't play as well as he used to. Look, the bottom line in this whole thing is that it looks like the Cardinals don't want to do anything right now. And I would be very surprised if they gave Eric Burkhardt uh, permission to talk to teams a la Drew Rosenhaus, Tyreek Hill. I think we are headed for a July 25th showdown between the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray and the agent Eric Burkhardt. I will be surprised if this gets done before Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are staring over the cliff to see what life without the other is really like. And as those of us who cover the NFL would say, uh, no complaints to have something meaty like this that is a real controversy that really does have an impasse buried within it and who knows how it's going to play out. It's a reason to keep paying attention to your various news sources throughout the coming weeks and months, even after the draft, when you think things are going to slow down, at least between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, they quite possibly won't. Things have not slowed down between the Browns and Baker Mayfield. His future remains uncertain. What would it take to get him to Seattle, and how is this all going to play out? We'll discuss the future of the first pick in the 2018 draft when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Baker deserves a fifth-year option, and I think uh, he and Andrew have both addressed the possibility of things things after that. We're well pleased with where Baker is. Yeah, we, we fully expect you know Baker to be our starter and, and bounce back. So uh, I think Kevin Kevin mentioned this yesterday. Um, so yes, he, he battled through uh, this injury, and I know he wants to perform better. I've seen him perform better. He played winning football for us, uh, so I fully expect him. Uh, to bounce back next year. Yes. Yes. For us, you know, once we got comfortable with Deshaun as a as a person, Deshaun the person, it became pretty straightforward from you know from a football perspective. Do you feel like the way the office has handled it has been disrespectful to you? I feel disrespected, 100, mm-hmm. percent because I was told one thing and they completely did another. Oh, Mike. Period. Why didn't you say to Baker Mayfield, what are you referring to specifically? Please tell us, Baker, what they told you and what they did differently from what they told you. 
I, 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 I hate to be hypercritical, but I don't even think it's hypercritical. If you have any basic curiosity, don't you, don't you follow with that question? What are you talking about? Baker, what, what are you talking about? What, you're saying they lied to you? What they lied to you about? Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. I, I mean, seriously, uh, we don't know. What I can surmise, though, based on past reporting is that Baker Mayfield was led to believe at the end of the 2021 regular season he's the guy no matter what, and then at some point that changed yes. because the reporting yeah. from NFL media went from Week 18 Sunday Splash Report. Baker Mayfield is the quarterback of the Browns for 2022. They're going forward. Baker Mayfield is their quarterback. NFL media, same outlet two months later. They told Baker Mayfield's representatives at the combine that they're sticking with him unless they get a truly elite quarterback like Deshaun Watson. That's a pretty fundamental change in the attitude of the Browns toward Baker Mayfield, and I can understand why he'd be pissed off about it. You told me I'm your guy for 2022, and now I'm not your guy. Yeah, I'm not happy with that. I think the biggest issue here is that You know, and Andrew Barry referred to this somewhere I saw in the last 24 hours that, you know, he wishes they were a little bit more open with Mayfield and or his agent. Because obviously what happened here is that Baker Mayfield played hurt last year for the majority of the season. And he wasn't the quarterback that everybody expected him to be because he played hurt. So the reward for playing hurt is that your team thinks, well, if you're healthy, you're going to be a really good quarterback for us. But the fact is, and and you're going to see it right here, and here's where here's where he gets hurt. And and so from then on, he just simply wasn't the same. And I think the one other thing to consider, Mike, about Mayfield is that You have to look at Baker Mayfield when he's your quarterback and know that he's an emotional guy and know that, you know, you have to handle those emotions. And if deep down inside you don't want that emotional guy, then you don't make the kind of statements you made at the end of the year where Baker's our guy. Um, You know, because really it's going to come back to bite you. And in this particular case, it came back to bite the Browns. Yeah, and, hey, I know what they were trying to do, and it makes sense. that They're trying to keep the bird in the hand as long as they possibly can in the event that they don't get Deshaun Watson. And they were out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. It was done until they presumably decide to offer $230 million fully guaranteed on a five-year deal. They're not getting Baker – or they're not getting Deshaun Watson, excuse me. So they had to keep Baker Mayfield – in place somehow, some way. And that's what it looked like it was going to be as of four weeks ago. They're not getting Deshaun. Baker's upset. He wants out now. He's not going to show up for anything. Reportedly, he was considering staying away from everything until he got the trade that he wanted. Then the Browns get Deshaun Watson. And now they're trying to get rid of Baker Mayfield. And, you know, one of the things I wish that we could get more insight into as well is how aggressively Baker plans to agitate for a trade to a team that he wants to play for or to just be released. Peter, this is a difficult task for the Browns. He's owed $18.8 million no matter what this year. If you cut him, someone else is going to pay him $1.035 million and you're going to have to pay the balance of it. So what do you expect to get 
by trading a guy that you're inevitably going to cut. What's your leverage when it's time to do a trade? And the only leverage I can come up with is you get him now. We're otherwise going to squat on him. You get him now. We're going to cut him as late as we possibly can. Then he can't get up to speed in your system. But that assumes he's not going to hold a press conference every day. He's going to be at the facility every day. He's going to be creating a distraction every day until he gets what he wants. That's the the part of this that remains unknown, but could go a bunch of different ways. And it could end up making a situation in Cleveland where there's already enough distractions, 22 to be exact, with Deshaun Watson. I don't think you want that fight if you're the Browns. And I want to know whether or not Baker Mayfield is going to take that fight to them if they decide to squat on him until someone gives them whatever it is they're looking for. I just can't imagine what the market might be for Baker Mayfield right now. Because, look, I think Baker Mayfield still has a chance to be a good... He's not going to be, in my opinion, a top three or four quarterback in the league, three to five quarterback ever. But he's got a chance to be a good long-term starter in the NFL. Okay? But the question is, where's your market now? Do you want to have the Baker Mayfield headache? Are you going to hold out, you know, for... I mean, Mike, honestly, and I'll ask you this question. Okay? If you're the Seattle Seahawks and you like Baker Mayfield... You don't love him, but you like him. What's the most you would pay for Baker Mayfield right now? A three? I don't no. think there's any way you'd Not pay even a close. two. Okay. Not even close to a three. But, but, okay, but that's the, so that's the issue. That's the issue. The issue becomes, are you willing to take the slings and arrows from podcasts that Baker Mayfield are, is going to do that the Cleveland Plain Dealer is going to put in the headlines once a week between now and whenever it is you get rid of them. Is that worth the difference between, let's just say, the 100th pick in the draft and the 190th pick in the draft? Or whatever it is like you hope to get for them? Or realistically, you could get for them? Okay, that that's my feeling right now if I'm the Browns you have to play this how much more bad publicity do we want to have from our old quarterback calling us out rightfully calling us out how many more headlines of those do we want to have and is it worth waiting and trying to get something that probably we're not going to get and just taking a five now and walking away Remember, it was five years ago that the Browns got a second-round pick from the Texans for taking on the full value of the Brock Osweiler contract, which was worth $16 million. They would eventually cut him. He would go to Denver. But the Browns picked up the difference, and they got that second-round pick because of it. I don't know how you find an acceptable middle ground between the Browns and the Seahawks. If I'm the Seahawks right now, I say, well, your only alternative is to cut him. And if you cut him... He's probably going to Pittsburgh. You know, we haven't talked about that today. I don't know if we've talked about it in the past, but after watching that podcast the other day, listening to the things that Baker Mayfield had to say, where he gets his motivation from, and also 
Also, understanding who he is and what makes him tick and understanding how great Mike Tomlin is in speaking to the better angels of even the most difficult personalities over the years, from Antonio Brown to Ben Roethlisberger and everything in between. And when you look at Mitch Trubisky as the lead option right now in Pittsburgh, I think if he gets cut, he goes straight to Heinz Field and starts shooting progressive commercials there. The Steelers pay him $1.035 million. The Browns pay him $17.7 million to play for the Steelers this year. And he's a thorn in the Browns' side for as long as he can possibly be. That's the motivation for the Browns right now. If I'm John Schneider, and I know, number one, Baker Mayfield wants to come here because he said so, which really doesn't do the Browns any favors. I say to Andrew Barry, well, you're going to pay $17.7 million either way. So you pay $17.7 million and you give me a sixth-round pick, and I'll make sure that he doesn't end up in Pittsburgh. That's the deal. I'll do that deal right now. The question is, would the Browns do that deal right now? You know, the interesting part of that whole theory is that if you are the Pittsburgh Steelers, you would basically say right now, uh, because I'm sure that that would be the ultimate punch to the gut for Mitchell Trubisky. And you might even want to do Mitchell Trubisky a solid and allow him to go somewhere else. Uh, you know, maybe allow him to go to the Giants and pay part of his salary since you're not going to be paying for all of Baker Mayfield. But whatever happens, I couldn't agree with you more. The way Baker Mayfield's mind works and the way the Steelers' mind works collectively, I think it would be an absolute home run for them. Even though, even though, personality-wise, that's not necessarily what Mike Tomlin wants out of his quarterback, but he'll take it if you can beat the Browns and the Ravens. And, you know, it's an interesting little thing. The question you'd have to ask yourself, if you were Pittsburgh, as somewhat excited as you are for the second act of Trubisky, you have to think in the back of your mind, we are not sure at all about Mitchell Trubisky. We'd be a lot more sure of a healthy Baker Mayfield than we would of a healthy Mitchell Trubisky. Baker Mayfield was good in 2018, good in 2020, spectacular down the stretch in the 2020 season where they ended up in the final eight and gave the Chiefs everything they could handle. 2019 was the Freddie Kitchens year where he regressed for a variety of reasons. Some would say that Ken Dorsey was no longer there as the quarterback's coach and his mechanics got out of whack. Last year, it all came from the injury that he suffered when he got frustrated after throwing an interception in the first half of the Week 2 game against the Texans and went to make the tackle and busted up his left shoulder. He never should have done that. As I say all the time, when you're a quarterback and you throw an interception, just just hit the deck. Don't don't go don't even get close to it because you're running the risk of a Teddy Bridgewater type highlight where he was bullfighter with the guy who was returning the uh, the turnover during the season last year and he got criticized for it. Just stay where you are. Because nothing good is going to come out of this, and you're too valuable to the team, and your career is too valuable to you. Your health is too valuable to your career and your earning prospects to get yourself injured because that screwed up his whole season. And now there's a perception that he's not very good. He can be really good, and Tomlin can point him in the right direction. Think about the coaches he's had. Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, 
Freddie Kitchens, and Kevin Stefanski. I like Kevin Stefanski, but he doesn't have the personality to deal with Baker Mayfield. Not many coaches do. Tomlin does. And I think the, the, that mindset of Baker Mayfield would be perfect for Pittsburgh. The circumstances of how they got him would be perfect. It's screaming out to me. If the Browns cut him, he goes straight to Pittsburgh. And, and that's why if you're John Schneider, you say, hey, you want to send him here? Fine. But you're giving us a sixth-round pick. We're not giving you anything other than a reprieve from the possibility of having to deal with Baker Mayfield twice a year this year and maybe twice a year for 10 years to come. Everything you say makes a lot of sense. The question is, would the Browns basically take that slap in the face as well as maybe having to pay some of Baker's Baker Mayfield salary. It, it would be the ultimate. It was, it would be the Browns being the Browns. I don't know. What is the old <laughs> thing that the kids have? The Browns, Browns is the Browns. Brown? The Browns is the Browns. Can you Juju's imagine? Schuster. Can you imagine? Just imagine this, that, that John Schneider says, we'll take Baker Mayfield and a five and we'll give you a seven. And oh, by the way, you got to pick up $10 million of his compensation this year. That would be the classic Brown's going to Brown. <laughs> well, but, but I'd say you got to take 17 because if you cut him, you're paying 17.7. If you cut him, you're paying almost all of it. So th- this is a mess. And yeah, see, yeah. from my perspective, I understand that these teams are trying to play 3D chess, but sometimes they outsmart themselves. Once you go all in with Deshaun Watson – How you wrap up your business with Baker Mayfield doesn't matter at that point. You've already made the decision. Watson is your guy. And you knew when you made that move that it's going to cost you $230 million fully guaranteed over five years that you're going to eat most of $18.8 million, that they're not going to be lining up to get Baker Mayfield. You made that conscious choice. So don't try to get cute on the back end. Don't try to impress people with how you managed to to hoodwink someone. You've already hoodwinked yourself. The sooner you wipe the slate clean with Baker Mayfield and get him out of the building, the better. They got enough to deal with, with Deshaun Watson and the 22 civil lawsuits. They don't need this Baker Mayfield headache to continue to compound the problems I already have, Peter. I, I think it's just obvious at this point. And, hey, from my perspective, Browns, go ahead. Go ahead. Play it out. Let it be a big mess. Let Baker Mayfield have a press conference every day where he says, guys, I don't know why I'm still here, but until they cut me or trade me, I'm going to continue to show up and work, and I'll talk to you every single day. And if they won't let me do it inside the building, I'll meet you out in front of the building, and I'll let you know what's going on. I just don't know that you want – I don't know why you'd want that if you're the Browns. You have to move on. It's good for us if it doesn't happen, but the best thing for the Browns would be make it happen – Move on from Baker Mayfield, especially if you can land him in a spot that isn't Pittsburgh. That should be priority number one. Priority number one, keep him out of Pittsburgh. Priority number two, end this now. You know, you're right, Mike, but the question becomes, you know, there's a team out there that just paid a quarterback more money than – than a second or third quarterback would ever get if they didn't think he was going to play a little bit. And now we get to the Geno Smith story, which heaven knows what Seattle really thinks. 
they're going to do it quarterback this year. But when you tie yourself up contractually to a guy like Geno Smith for not bad money, you, you're then saying, you know, we actually think this guy might play some. So do we really know that the Browns want to even get into business with Baker Mayfield, or that the Seahawks, rather, even want to get into business with Baker Mayfield? I think that is a significant question. Pete Carroll said at the league meetings a couple of weeks ago that they want Geno Smith back and they won't be out of the quarterback business if they get him back. So they've got Geno there to compete one year. And I've seen the report $7 million and I've seen up to $7 million, two very different contracts. Up to yeah, $7 we'll million. See the, we'll see, we'll see what it is. We'll see. Like we always do. Like we always, I mean, it's, it's laughable at this point when the first shot that gets fired on Twitter has the highest possible number, like he's guaranteed to make every penny of it, and then the truth comes out later. But we'll see. And I just texted somebody to get me the Geno Smith contract details, but they have Drew Locke, who's in the final year of his rookie contract. They got a Jacob Eason under contract as well, but they still are interested in the quarterback. But we don't know that they want Drew Locke. There's been no report that they're interested in Drew Locke, or not Drew Locke, excuse me, Baker Mayfield. They're, they're clearly interested in Drew Locke right. on the team. Baker Mayfield. Um, Mayfield is interested in them. We don't know that, that they're interested in him. We, and so, somebody pointed out to me a few weeks ago, and I thought it was a good observation, where the Seahawks are right now, where it's kind of us against the world, the, make, the Mayfield mindset would fit. But, you know, if I was thinking about Baker Mayfield, if I was potentially interested and I watched the full 90 minutes from the other day, I don't know that I'm still as interested because I got I to gotta, I gotta go into this eyes open that I'm getting a guy that can be a little hard to handle. And that's one of the reasons why the Browns moved on. And I, I've said, you know, I don't know this, but based upon everything we've seen and heard publicly and the reporting that's been done, Mary Kay Cabot's had some great stories over the course of the last year about the things that upset Baker Mayfield. My guess is behind the scenes, he has been a major pain in the ass for the Browns. So if I take on Baker Mayfield, I have to have a plan in place for trying to get Baker Mayfield to not be a pain in the ass in my organization. Hey, Mike, by the way, by the way, if you make me listen to the full 90 minutes of that Baker Mayfield thing, we're not going to be friends anymore. <laughs> oh, you know what you can do. And, and I hadn't really done this until the Baker Mayfield podcast. Once I realized it was going to be a while until they got to the Browns stuff, I did the, the accelerated playback, which is annoying as hell, but it gets you through it a little bit faster. So I didn't end up. Well, they all sound like mice talking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I did not give up the full 90 minutes of my, of my, uh, uh life, uh, for it. But right. I will say this, it's, it's, it's worth the price of admission because of the dog that's hanging out on the couch. That dog All right. is hilarious. And uh, there he is. There he is. That's the baked turkey <laughs> pose. <laughs> he had multiple different poses throughout the course of the 90 minutes. So that's a good boy. Although he looks a little old, I would not put a dog in that condition on a white couch. That's all I have to say about that. So uh, uh, bottom line. I really love the grammatically correct and, and, and the correct spelling of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, you never, never, yeah, no. 
I mean, I, I want to go into business with that guy. Mike, period. Was Mike stud, now Mike, period. So um, I don't know who else is interested in Baker Mayfield. And I think at this point, we're so close to the draft, nothing's going to happen until after we get through it and see who gets quarterbacks and who doesn't of the teams that are currently looking. Panthers, not the, I don't know if the Panthers, I don't think the Panthers want to keep kissing frogs. They've been kissing frogs for three years now, and they haven't turned into franchise quarterbacks. The Falcons, maybe. Marcus Mariota doesn't feel to me like the guy that's going to be wire to wire, and he can't stay healthy. I, the Texans already could have had him, and they didn't take him. They could have had him as part of the Deshaun Watson trade. I just don't know where the landing spots are. I'd love for the Lions to get in it. I'm trying to speak that into existence because I think Baker Mayfield is exactly what Dan Campbell and Chris Spielman want right now. There's been no indication that they're interested, although the guy who drafted him, John Dorsey, is in the Detroit front office. I just I don't see these obvious landing spots, and it's got to torment Baker Mayfield. Four years after he was the number one overall pick, he's a man without a country, and there's no one else rushing to uh, give him citizenship, Peter. That's a very good way to put it, Mike. I guess I would look at it like, um, you know, once we find out where, in my opinion, I think this happens after the draft, okay? Because I can't imagine that anybody before the draft, knowing that, like if you're the Carolina Panthers, how in the world do you know what's going to happen? You know, I, I've, I've been calling around the last couple of days, Mike, and asking GMs and some coaches who have authority two of them so far. I've been asking this question, okay? Tell me what you have heard about the draft this year. Because I think what happens when we get this close to the draft, everybody thinks, oh, the phone lines are burning up. But two weeks before the draft is not when most teams are really out there making offers. You know, most teams not run by Howie Roseman. <laughs> but but at this point, this is not really the time where most trades are going to be made. Most trades are made and consummated and thought of the week of the draft or even the day of the draft. But be that as it may, if this lasts till after the draft, then the Browns are really going to, I don't want to say be in trouble, but that's when the rubber hits the road because... Nobody feels any pressure at that point for the next two and a half months to get the, you know, to get the Baker Mayfield uh, situation resolved. Yeah, he's still got that left shoulder he's rehabbing. He looked fine sitting on a couch, but it's, it's not all that difficult to look fine sitting on a couch. We don't know when he's going to be ready to go, but that's part of it too. Oh, you don't have him for the offseason program if you don't do the trade. Well, he's not going to be doing anything anyway. So I agree with you. Uh, there's a lot to still be determined and the Browns are not in a great spot here. And the longer this lingers, the greater the chance that it's going to get ugly. You mentioned the draft. We have 13 days to go. What's the buzz as it relates to the class of incoming quarterbacks? We'll discuss that next on this Friday edition of PFT Live. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.